welcome to the Life and Times of Captain Barney Miller podcast. I'm your host, Mike White. Joining me, of course, is the rookie, Chris Tashu. See ya. On this episode, we are cracking into Season 4. We're starting it off with a two-parter, Goodbye, Mr. Fish, Part 1 and Part 2. And then we've got an episode called Bugs. First episode was released September 15th, 1977. Second one, September 22nd, 1977. And the third one, believe it or not, September 29th, 1977. I like how they're working on a good schedule here. You know, we're not missing a week, which is good. They're just going, man. Got us a couple Danny Arnolds and then a David Swift. And I'm not sure if we've seen David Swift directing before. I think he might be a new player. Feels like we are past the age of Bruce Bilson here, unless he's going to come back. Yeah, I think you're probably right. And we're on the fourth season of the show, which I cannot believe we're at the fourth season already, Mike. It feels like this has just flown by. When did we start this show? Last year? That's what it feels like, but I imagine it had to have been more than that. I don't know. I guess we're only up to like 20 episodes. So yeah, I guess so. I guess this three episode per episode thing, I know that's very confusing to say. I guess it's working out okay. I would be inclined to agree. I think that this is working out swimmingly. And especially in the case of these three, given that the first episode of the fourth season is, I guess it's the thing that we were both talking about wanting at the end of the last season. Sort of. Yeah, it feels like a weird placement. Like, did they just not know for sure that Fish was going to get his own TV show? Well, the other thing that's very strange on top of that is the first half of the story has nothing to do with Fish. It is almost waiting for Godot. It's, you know, like, we're just (laughs) going about our daily lives waiting for Fish to show up, and then he doesn't. I think you're right. Is Bernice in the first one? Yeah, she's, like, coming around. See, the the problem is, is I have a hard time keeping them separate, because it is kind of one narrative. I mean, the first narrative is not nearly as interesting as the second narrative. Bernice is in the second episode only. Oh, okay. All right. I thought she showed up and was worried about him, but I guess they were just worried about him on their own. And according to Wikipedia, the first episode of Fish aired February 5th, 1977. So that was a few months before this. So we're already into Fish. So I guess were people at the time just like, oh, he's, yeah, of course he's not going to be on the show. Yeah, I guess. Maybe they just needed this send-off that we really... I mean, we just talked about an episode where they mentioned Chano. Like, he's still around. And I think they even mentioned Wentworth. Like, she's still around. So, they might as well have said, oh, where's Fish? And maybe that becomes the joke. Like, where's Fish at? And then it's like, oh, we don't know. Or, you know, he's taking the day off. He had to go to the doctors. Something. Two things I was happy about in those opening credits. Because we get a change to the opening credits. Oh, yeah. Big time. We get a new song, a new theme song, which, to your point, you had messaged me earlier. It just keeps going up. Yeah, there is no release valve on this. It's like, don't, it just keeps going. It doesn't stop. Continues out, essentially, ends when the credits end. There's no quick and nice, neat tie-up like there used to be. And the other thing is Steve Landisberg and James Gregory get added to the opening credits. So does Ron Carey, but that's beside the point. 
But it was nice to see James Gregory. I mean, I was expecting Steve Landisberg to get added given we knew he was going to be a main cast member. But I didn't realize season four is when James Gregory also becomes a, I guess, a credited player, a credited, you know, regular, series regular. I guess that's what he would be considered, right? Yeah. And I'm curious if he's going to stay in the credits. I mean, we have talked that he is here to stay until the end. His first three episodes, he's all over him. It's Luger. 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 Luger is here. He's a jolly good fellow. (laughs) Over and over again. James Gregory, we get it, man. Yeah, that opening theme song. And it's funny, too, because they're reusing the Barney footage, but then they're fading out really quick because each one of these doesn't end with the freeze frame anymore. It's just like live footage going on and until we get to the next person there's no freeze at the end i'm like okay this is different and like ron glass getting that hmm kind of look on his face and it just goes on for a long time i'm okay and then it feels like each one of these goes on for forever jack sue with the newspaper puts the newspaper down puts the newspaper back up i'm like okay yeah they're like two seconds too long Well, and then Max Gale, he just looks rough. I don't understand. Like, Max Gale doesn't look rough in any of these episodes, which is what I don't understand. But the the, the imagery that, or I guess the footage that they use for him makes him look like he just got done on an all-night bender. I know. Maybe he was sick that day or something. Well, why would you use that footage of all the footage? It's very weird. He just looks a little disheveled, I guess. Yeah, and I I kind of liked last season's opener a little bit better with the whole the the, the hand motions and Jack Sue especially when he looks down at the coffee and then kind of gives like the shrug and then the freeze. I was like, that works, that works. Is it a stereotypical expectation that every show like this opened the way that used to? I guess right. I mean, like the freeze frame was kind of like a thing, right? I will agree that I don't like this opening as much because it just, it seems weirder. I don't know why they made the changes that they made. Most of the changes are fine, but there are a couple that don't make a lot of sense. Yeah. That whole thing with the guitar just comes in and it's just wailing away on this one. It's like, whoa, whoa, calm down, buddy. I don't understand why they didn't film new Hal Linden stuff. Yeah, that was very strange. It's like, okay, we're just going to reuse this footage of you in front of the police station. The freeze frame before made more sense than just fade away quick. So this one has the return of Stanley Brock, who we saw, I think, at least once before, if not twice. And he's going to be coming back a few more times. We can't say this enough, how amazing these character actors are. And Stanley Brock is fantastic. And I love that the shopkeepers that come in midway through the episode are people that we've seen before and we'll see again. Yeah, Stanley Brock, otherwise known as Uncle Harvey from UHF. Or exactly. that guy in, uh, what is it, Hard to Kill? He's like the counterman in Hard to Kill who gets murdered just by accident, essentially. Yeah, he gets carpet stapled to his head in Amazon Women on the Moon. Now that I have not seen. 
It's a great, <laughs> great film. I'm trying to think. He's in something else. I guess I must just be thinking of him in UHF. That's a pretty big role in UHF. And it is interesting, this whole idea, because we are, I want to say, Death Wish has already happened, but this is before the era of real-life vigilante killer Bernard Getz. And so having this whole deal of Stanley Brock putting out all these posters saying that he will pay people $1,000 if they can basically kill criminals, okay. That is illegal. Yeah, but Barney can't seem to find a a way of of, uh, capturing this guy. How is this illegal is essentially what the guy keeps asking. He's like, "How, how am I doing anything illegal? I want criminals killed. How is that a bad thing? I don't know, because that's not how the justice system works. What's funny is Stanley Brock has has been on the show twice before, in Rain and in Block Party, but he wasn't playing this character. However, from here on out, he plays this character. From here to the literal end of the show, the final episode of the show, he is in it as this character. So I'm kind of interpreting, similarly to a lot of shows, I think we've moved into a different time of this show and it it does feel different yeah not just the opening there is a different feel to this and we're going to talk about in the next episode mr fish part two and i am pretty sure that the names of these episodes are play on goodbye mr chips the uh, the old i want to say it was a british film from forever ago maybe with arthur treacher in it arthur treacher who also had a whole line of fish and chip stores so it might just all be circling back on itself. Well, if it, was, if it was Goodbye Mr. Chips, then Goodbye Mr. Fish it is funny. But I will tell you, this is a false advertising episode. He's not in this episode. I'm glad that they put it in the second episode and they made the second episode the entire focus of the fish story, given how kind of oddly dark and serious this one gets. But for a episode two-parter called Goodbye Mr. Fish, he's not in it enough. Yeah, he really should be here the whole time he's a big part of this show at least come in after the opening credits and they're like limp dick explanation as to why he's not there there is no explanation there's explanations given by other characters but that's not what fish says so we can only assume maybe this is the screenwriter or the scriptwriter's way of telling us what they really think is going on or what we should interpret but he's not there and he never explains where he was And it just doesn't feel like there's a whole lot of other things going on in this one. You know, sometimes we talk about A, B, and C stories, and really, it just feels like there's an A story and like half a B. The A story with Bruno Bender ends up having no conclusion, really. They're like, oh, you're going to go to trial. You killed him. Tough shit. Mm Mm-hmm. And yeah, you're right. It is fucking dark. Yeah, it's really fucking dark. Like... Essentially, the moral of the story is you can be a good law-abiding citizen, shoot someone who's breaking the law, and as long as it's your own story, get away with it. Now, look, I'm not going to necessarily disagree, but network television normally does a better job at having a message than this. This being no message at all. I don't know where this episode stands, because it introduces a character who is okay with vigilanteism, and then clearly the police are not okay with it. But they never, the show never picks a side because the way the A story ends is with a joke. He's like, well, I'll still pay you. Dun, 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 dun. Clink. Like, okay, cool. I've got some wine open at my store. Okay. 
Vigilanteism is a very interesting discussion to have. This episode did not need to try to have that discussion if this is the way they're going to approach it. Because we've seen this show approach serious topics before. This is not one of those episodes. But it is one of the darker things this show has tackled, given that you have two characters who straight up murder someone. Can you tell whose bullet it is that killed him? You guys are really completely out of your fucking depth. And where's Fish? I don't know. Maybe he's wandering around. Maybe he's here. Maybe he's there. Maybe he's dead. That's one of the explanations. Maybe he's dead. Maybe. Maybe you just killed off a very beloved character. But we get our answer in the next episode. And it's funny because he's been late to work before, and it's been this whole thing, so it's almost like a recycle here. Like, remember, I think it was last season, he ended up taking the Long Island Ferry in, and was just like, okay. But yeah, Bernice is here, and Bernice is worried now, because they're still going through their theories as far as, like, maybe he's dead, maybe this, maybe that. Same day, mind you. I assume. Maybe a couple hours later, I would guess, by the timeline of the show. Yeah, is this the one? Oh, no, I'm sorry. The last one was where they were sending out some uniforms, and so Ron Carey, Carl Lovett gets to put on his best bad boy face. And with this one, I'm trying to remember, this one has the... Is this the paranoid? No, this is the... Yeah, this is the paranoid this one, is right? The guy who talks with a high voice! Right. Larry Gelman, amazing character actor, again, who just passed away this year. I couldn't believe he passed away in June 2021. He's been in so many things. My wife, for whatever reason, for the last year, keeps asking me about the film Dreamscape, and I'm just like, okay, okay, I'll download Dreamscape so I can watch Dreamscape, because she just like, was was he in Dreamscape? Was was that the movie with Eddie Albert? Was that the movie with David Patrick Kelly? And I'm just like, okay, I'm going to take the hint. If you've ever wanted to see David Patrick Kelly in a snake costume, there you go. Like a man snake? Yeah, like a man snake, like a big snake with like a man's face on it. It's been forever since I've seen it, but <laughs> I sounds amazing. Oh yeah, yeah. De- Dennis Quaid can go into people's dreams, and so can David Patrick Kelly. And David Patrick Kelly has been assigned to kill the president, so it is Eddie Albert as the president. And I want to say Max von Sydow and Christopher Plummer are in there as well, but I haven't seen it in forever. Anytime you said Quaid, all I could think of is. I am Quaid. <laughs> same movie, different references, same page. Speaking of lifeless corpses, Abe Bogota in this episode. I can't figure out what he's doing, but it's, it is strange and it is off-putting to say the least. It's like he's found his second wind. The day of his retirement. Yeah, it feels like he's just denying that he is retiring, and so he's just like, oh yeah, well, I'll take care of that tomorrow. And it's like, no, Fish, there is no tomorrow. So it's like, are you in denial, or are you senile? Is the Alzheimer's setting in right now? Do we need to like take you back home, Grandpa? Like, What's going on? That's what I didn't understand. That was weird. Well, and the other thing that was weird was, I never got the sense from Fish that he gave a shit about his job. And then all of a sudden he's like, I'm a cop, damn it. And I'm a good cop. And it's like, dude, you're not a good cop. Nobody cares. And why do you care all of a sudden? Because I've been led to believe the only cops that actually like being cops are Hal Linden and Max Gale. And probably Ron Carey. But everybody else is just like there because they're being paid. 
Not because they want, I mean, Ron Harris, you know, Ron Glass does not want to be there. Harris has no interest. He's going to be an author one of these days, as they say. Man, I will tell you, we have come a long way in however many years, 35, 45 years, 43 years, 44 years, whatever it is, for how they can write characters off of TV. Because this is, this is not the way you go about doing it. Yeah, it feels like they should have just made him an unaddressed departure, like Chano. But you can't do that when you gave us Jilly Paparadelli in the last season, who I'm so unbelievably thankful was not in this episode. I thought for sure she and that little guy were going to be back in this, and they would show up at the end and be like, hey, come on, fish, let's go back to our house. I was expecting it. Weren't you? Yeah, I totally was. I was like, okay, well, here's... And for the people in the cheap seats that don't know that fish is a thing now, we can say that. But I'm sure that throughout all the commercial breaks, even especially last season, it's like, introducing fish. Check out fish on Friday nights. Oh, yeah. 8.30. Yeah, it's the shittiest show this side of the Mason-Dixon line, and it's never been released fully on DVD. It's the... A different world equivalent from the Cosby show. I don't know if you, uh, you're probably not old enough to remember Thursday night must see TV where it would be like really good show at eight, really good show at nine. And then these hammock shows at like nine, eight thirty, and nine thirty. I mean, eventually like night court came along, which was a pretty strong show for your nine thirty spot. But that eight thirty spot, there might be people who are, you know, about ready to, to pillory me that were huge, a different world fans, but my God, I couldn't stand that show. I don't even know what that is. I've never seen it. A singular episode of the Cosby show either. And you know what? In hindsight, I'm glad. What the crazy thing about this episode is, this episode is a bad episode in and outside of context. If you saw this on like, a, I don't, was it Nick at Night? What, where would you watch this now? ETV, I guess. If you saw this episode, you would be like, okay, so who's this fish guy? Because they don't even make a big deal of him leaving. Right, it feels like he his send-off was more like last season or the season before, because they've had these episodes where, like, are you ready to retire, Fish? Are you going to, you know, it's like, they've had stuff that led up to a natural point where they could have said goodbye to Mr. Fish easily in, in seasons past, and yet it's like this weird after-the-fact kind of thing. It's like, okay, now you're just making it strange. Get his ass out of the show by the end of the third season. Push this back one episode, make it one part, or make it two parts at the end of the season. Or, here's the other thing that I don't understand. Why not just make the first parter the last episode of the third season? And make the second part the first episode? Because then, it may have been excusable the way they did it, because it's this whole bait-and-switch bullshit Oh, he's coming. He's coming. He's And then wait a year or whatever it was, you know, eight months. Six months. Yeah. 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 I mean, that, in my opinion, if it had been me writing this show, that's what you do. It makes sense. Convince the audience that this is going to be some big deal. Pull the rug out from underneath them. But you're going to see it at the beginning of the next season. I don't know when the idea of clip shows started, but it feels like this would have been a good time for a clip show to, like, show you why you're going to miss fish and why you should care about this character. I mean, the first episode is the perfect 
place for that because it's like we're waiting for a fish. Hey, do you remember the time when? And then we start to show some clips. Remember when we ate those hash brownies? Remember when you were Santa Claus? Remember all those times that he would get hit on by mashers in the park? Remember when you and Landisburg have weird chemistry? I mean, that was, you were talking about the last time that he was a good cop. I mean, I remember Dietrich being like, hey, you're a good cop. I want to learn from you. And I know that Otto Bruno kind of set it straight as far as like, yeah, that was supposed to be the pilot for the show and probably would have been Dietrich in there, like learning the ropes from fish or something. But nope, they squandered that chance. This character of fish, I am glad to see him gone. Which is so funny because we were so up Fish's ass the first two seasons. And then after a while, I was just like, okay, enough with the jokes about the wife. Enough with this. Enough with that. Third season, really kind of, the, the bloom was lost. He's the Bart Simpson of this show. Say the line, Bart! I didn't do it. Yay! That is it. Like, the Ava Vagoda is the Bart Simpson of this show. 100%. I don't know what else comparison I can make, but he never evolved as a character. And it was funny for the first two seasons, but in the third season, it wasn't funny anymore. Why is that? Because it's just retreading old ground. Yeah, we get it. You hate Bernice, though you're married to her. Okay. And she always seems super nice whenever she's in the precinct. Yeah, she puts up with your constant shit, dude. I cannot believe that the final lines ostensibly for Abe Vigoda on this show are, see ya. I guess it's fitting. Fish was always kind of a Barbie character, like, you know, pretty thorny in a lot of ways. You do know that you can, like, still see each other, right? Like, in, like, a lot of other television universes, like, I can imagine these characters going out afterwards for, like, a beer down at the local police watering hole. Like, this is still New York. Like, Fish lives in New York. Like, he's never going to see these people again. Like, it's like in this time and place of TV, these characters, like, put into boxes on shelves. Never to be played with again. Like, okay. I'm very curious if we are ever going to hear Fish's name even mentioned from here on out. I don't know. I guess they could do like a throwaway, like, what's Fish up to in retirement? But like, that would be a little bit of a stretch given that, like you said before, they do bring up Wentworth and, you know, Chano. But that's like the, oh, they're on the board, which means like nothing. It's literally a throwaway line to build more, to make the universe seem more full. Um, this is, he has two more appearances and that's it. Burial, where he is uncredited, and Lady in the Bomb. So, okay, so I guess he will come back at some point. Fish will return. But he does not come back for the finale of the show. Which I'm, I'm curious, you mentioned how Stanley Brock's going to be back, and I don't know if he's going to be back, or I mentioned clip shows. I wonder if it's going to be a clip show. But I guess we'll find out in a few years. <laughs> You'll find out in two years. I guess by a year and a half, I would assume. Otto's just at home like, fuck you guys. <laughs> when am I coming back on the show? Get to the end of it already. Otto Bruno will be returning and joining us, I would assume, sometime in the near future. I would hope so. He's a, he's a great guest co-host. Not like that Richard Haddam guy. Now that, now that guy. Woo! Burning bridges. Yeah, Richard Haddam, ladies and gentlemen. He is, oh my, he's a man about town. We should just probably go on record and apologize. <laughs> I'm apologizing in advance for anything that comes out of this man's mouth. Uh, no, we love Richard. Richard loves us. And Richard loves Barney Miller. But you know what I love more than anything else? Bugs. 
What another strange episode. I like how they freak us out a little bit at the beginning by talking about those cockroaches that are climbing up on uh, desks and that... uh I love Dietrich's whole thing about how great cockroaches are, and then he stomps on one. Cockroaches are great, man. It's like such a fucking Landisburg thing to say. Such a Dietrich thing to say. And I love Jack Sue just like, oh yeah, there's one that climbs up there every day when I'm making coffee. (laughs) I like the exterminator as well. Sammy Smith. I am their god. This feels very much like a typical episode. I mean, we've got a lot of similar things that we've seen before, especially rolling in all of these prostitutes. And this show loves the prostitutes, man. Good uh, precinct for prostitution, I guess. The women that were in there come back the same day. He picks them back up. What did he put them back on the street? And they looked at him and go, woman to suck your dick? Like, <laughs> that's still the cop. <laughs> Yeah, it just seemed weird. I thought that maybe he was running them down for something, like Prince or something. I I like uh, Mary Gorman, who plays the housewife, just trying to go out on her own, question mark? Prove that she could still do it. At least one of these prostitutes has been in here before. The Paula Capshaw character, who's the Paula Shaw, is her real name. I think it's the, not the housewife, obviously, but of the two, it's the white lady, and I'm not sure about Lavelle Roby if she's been in here before, but the white lady was in the quarantine episode, so she got to spend the night at the precinct. Another part two, or two-parter. She was in The Courtesans as Miss Duquette, as the same character. The the white woman that you were talking about, Paula Shaw, the only thing that I had seen her in before, and it's rather obscure, is the woman who played Mrs. Voorhees didn't want to come back for Freddy versus Jason. So Paula Shaw was cast as Mrs. Voorhees in that movie. The only time, I think the only time she's ever shown back up on screen again as someone else. So she kind of looks like the actress who played Mrs. Well, not really, but you know, like you said, this episode just picks right back up. Business as usual. Nothing. They don't miss a beat pretty much. Like, And the woman that plays the housewife prostitute, she will be back several times She's coming back as a Officer Roslyn Lickery for three episodes, and then she will be Naomi Bender for two episodes, but she'll never come back as Roberta Curlin, who's this character here. But Robert Costanzo's in this episode! Yeah, that was great seeing him. He's one of those character actors that, like, when you see him, you know who he is. The thing that I remember him from is, uh, I, I forget, I think his name's Harry... Is in Total Recall. He's like Schwarzenegger's. Yeah, he, yeah, yeah, yeah. Recall, recall, this? recall. <laughs> He's uh, Schwarzenegger's friend that gets killed in the alley, right? Well, he is secretly working for the company because he's the one like, don't let him mess with your brain, pal. And then I know him from Die Hard 2, where he was Dennis Franz's cousin. He's another police officer who's trying to give John McClane a ticket for parking incorrectly, I think. I know it. Yep. I, yep. 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 It's been a while since I've seen that movie. Sounds I, about right, though. I tend to go back to the first one the most, and then the second one, and then any of the other ones. I know some people live and die by that third one. They die hard, but not be not a big fan. I find it interesting, a gentleman with the look of Mr. Robert Costanzo straight out of Italian central casting 
was never on an episode of The Sopranos. Yeah, it seems like that show was made for him. I actually was mixing him up a little bit with Clemenza from The Godfather, but I was like, no, no, that's a different guy. He just looks a lot like Costanza here. Yeah, Robert Costanzo is one of those character actors that just... He's look. I am convinced he's looked like that since he walked out of the womb. Like he walked out of the womb with his, what I don't know what the, I don't know what that hairstyle is called. Like yeah, the tonsure, I guess, where he just have like the bald pate in the middle and the the hair ring around the sides. If I let mine grow out, it would be like that. I think if my wife were to name it something, it would be a bozo ring because it looks like bozo the clown. Yeah, he just I can't imagine him looking any other way because anything I've seen him in. That's what he looks like. Yeah. yeah, if we saw him with a full head of hair, we might die. I'd be like, who is that man? But it's just very strange. Like, I was looking through his IMDb earlier, and I was like, this guy's got it. I had to have seen him in an episode of The Sopranos. I mean, I haven't finished the show yet, but I'm like, there's no way. And nope. So it's very surprising, because he has, like, there There are a few actors who just have the mobster look without doing a damn thing. He's still around, too. I should try to look him up, man, because he, he's he got a lot of stuff still going on. He's even got – he was in a couple things this year, so. And he did the voice of Harvey Bullock in the animated Batman series, which if they had cast that movie, he looks like the part of that character, too. A slimy cop, so. He can play that part very, very well. I'm not sure I believe him as a doting husband, though. It seems very weird. This is like, how did you end up with this lady? Because, I mean, Merrick Gorman's got it going on in this. And very I, I, attractive. Yeah, right? And then, yeah, I love when she stands up for herself. And it's like, you know, hey, I am this person. Here, you know, hear me work. Apparently, uh, Chris, she was in A Saucer of Loneliness from the Twilight Zone. Is that the Shelley Duvall? Yes, a shy, lonely Margaret receives a private message from a flying saucer, so you are 100% correct. Yeah, I'm trying to place where she would have been in that episode. I mean, really, it's between her and Shelley Duvall and Richard Libertini. I don't remember anybody else. I don't remember her, but I remember them, too. I'm sure she was probably maybe at that restaurant at the beginning of the episode where like everyone's freaking out because the alien comes in and talks to her. I think that's what it is. I don't- Man, I couldn't tell you shit about that show. I have I have I have almost actively re- forgetting every episode I've watched at this point. Yeah, other than that first season, you're pretty pretty well off. Is the is the ultimate climax of this episode kind of a cop out? Feels a little bit like it. It's like they wrote themselves into a corner they couldn't figure out how to get out of. I do like that Barney's taking it easy on her. That's nice, and that he's going to let her go. But then it feels like she's going to go off and be the best damn prostitute she can be. (laughs) Well, that and the recording devices that they find end up being nothing? Yeah, yeah, that was interesting. I I was actually out of the room when the guy came in. Because I was in the room when Barney was giving his major speech to the bug. So, like, just for folks at home, the bugs of the title of the episode actually aren't cockroaches, but they find listing devices inside of the precinct. That they didn't see this entire time. Right. I have a feeling that they were put there after the Rand report myself, but I could be wrong. Do you actually think people were listening in on them? I don't know if they were or not. It doesn't feel like they should have been. It feels like they were there a long time. Because, again, I can't figure out because the, the exterminator is like, oh, the rats chewed through it. It's like, okay. And then he's like, they've been there for a while, 
But yeah, I can't tell because part of me thinks, yeah, they have been listening in on them because of the whole Rand report thing. But I also don't know if like Danny Arnold and Reinhold Ouija had like the foresight to think that up. Or were they just like, hey, we are post Watergate. Let's go ahead and talk about these things. I think that's what it was. Feels very topical without being too obvious. Yeah, not too on the nose. Speaking of Twilight Zone 2019. Jesus Christ. Yeah, if this if this episode had been made now, it would have been, you know, the Russians are spying on us. Ah! I found this episode to be just another perfectly fine episode of the show. In contrast to the last two, which were bizarre. It was a disappointing start to this season. So I'm hoping that we get more episodes like Bugs and fewer episodes like Goodbye, Mr. Fish. Fish comes back in the second episode of the next three that we are watching. Retired Detective Fish returns to assist Barney in locating a kidnapped corpse. What? What? Why did what? If you're going to be in two episodes this season and you're in the second half of the episodes that are titled after you and not the what the fuck? Yeah, it seems weird. Why wasn't that the first episode of the season, then? This burial episode? I don't know. And then he could retire on a high note. This show is all sorts of screwed up sometimes. And look, I I mean, you and I both know that's us putting our 2021 glasses on. Because again, you and I and everybody else now have been spoiled by serialized television. And the expectation in serialized television is that everything's going to make sense when you watch it together. It's not going to step on its own toes too much. And this show, like many shows from that era, especially we saw it in Coal Shack, we're going to see it in Columbo, we've seen it already in this, it steps on its own toes because at the time, nobody gave a shit. It wasn't the expectation. It was just the way it was done. Yeah. You need a character, you bring in a character. Want to mention a name, mention a name. Have one actor play three different characters. We've seen Stanley Brock play three different characters now, and this third character is the one that's going to return. Okay. You're going to find out very quickly in Columbia, there's a uh, a handful of villains, and they come back time and again. I'm sure. And again, <laughs> Get like, ready for Robert Culp and Jack Cassidy to just wear out their welcome a little bit, but I love them. But, and that's the thing. At the time, nobody cared, and I don't blame them because, again, ultimately, it doesn't matter. It just doesn't matter. Until you get to 2021, where you watch the show with hindsight. Knowing where television goes on. On The Sopranos, every actor is playing the same character from the start. I think there's maybe one character who's recast, and it is obvious they recast him. But it was also because they shot the pilot before the original show, yada, yada, yada. We've seen that with this show. But yeah, in nowadays, nobody, nobody does anything with actors multiple times without them being the same character. And Fish is uncredited in that episode, by the way. Yeah, I thought I read that earlier. He would normally be in the end credits since he's out of the the opening credits now. Never to return. So he comes back two more times, once more on the next episode that we're talking about, and then once in 81, way down the road, four years from now, right at the end of the show, I guess. That cracked me up, by the way, in that Goodbye, Mr. Fish Part 2, when they give him a New York municipal bond, and he says that it'll be mature by 1997, and he's, and Fish is like, oh, I'll be 93 by then, or whatever, and I'm just like, don't worry about it, Abe Vigoda, you've got many more years to go. That's what I thought, I was like, don't worry, you'll be alive in 2020, man. <laughs> God, didn't he just pass away this year? 
I mean, it might have even been 2019 because I remember immediately going to that website and looking it up because I was like, he passed away in 2016. Wow. How time flies. Boy, isn't that the world? Yeah. Isn't that the truth? That it felt like he passed away last year. You know, people were talking about how everything started to suck after Prince and David Bowie died. Have we ever looked at the Abe Vigoda factor? What day does the president get inducted into office, inaugurated? January 20th, usually? Abe Vigoda passed away January 26th of 2016. It was Abe Vigoda all along! He was the true savior and he couldn't save us from ourselves! Well, I will tell you, I, 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 I envy Abe Vigoda in a lot of ways. I envy Abe Vigoda in a lot of ways. But I don't envy the way they wrote him off this show. And that is going to leave a bad taste in my mouth for a while. So on the next episode, we are talking about the three episodes that Chris has brought up. One of which is Corporation, where I think they are going to sell out to OCP and then instate a robotic policeman. It was Dick Jones at OCP! (laughs) Dick Jones! Burial, where Fish comes back. I'm very curious about this kidnapped corpse. If they kidnapped the corpse, or if they kidnapped a person and then they became a corpse. I think they kidnap a corpse. And then the third one is called Copycat, where we get to see uh, it is a Yamana episode. So I'm very excited for that. And in the meantime, Chris, where can people keep up with you? C-S-T-A-C-H-I-W.com. That's my link tree. Go there. Mike and I do another show together called Rankin on Bass, where we talk about Rankin and Bass stuff. You can find that show along with the Culture Cast, Scary Stories We Tell, all that stuff there. What about you, Mike? You can always find me over at the Projection Booth Podcast, which is available at projectionboothpodcast.com. I want to thank John Walker for our theme song, and I want to thank all of you for listening to us as we ramble on about Barney Miller once a month. Come on back next month. In the meantime, be sure to check out all those other shows that Chris mentioned, and we will be here for you. See ya.